0: This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is prerecorded.
1: Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker Apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a Union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit
0: boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. Listen to The Labor and Energy Show and get educated from expert guests about climate change. What they say and who they are will surprise you. Presented by PBF Energy, Neuter Construction, and Furness Electrical Contractors. The Labor and Energy Show, this Sunday night at six.
1: And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is gonna come from? It's gonna come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together, labor's in this, building trades are in this, refiners are in this. American consumers need us
2: to do this too.
0: Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show Special, exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery, in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this
2: RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon.
0: This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like Rins and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause
2: welcome into this edition of the labor and energy show with Jdoc doc and krause we thank everybody for tuning in it's another week with Jdoc doc and krause as we continue to attempt to educate the listening audience and change the narrative this is the labor and energy show i have got a great show lined up for you and a great interview scheduled for the full 60 minutes i throw it over to my partner Jdoc doc J. doc all yours brother
3: Thanks, Joe. Yeah, we've got a fantastic broadcast. Uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, as we, as everybody knows, uh, the goal of our of the Labor and Energy Show every week is to better educate the general public, our labor community and our political leaders in layman's terms on common sense and energy. We're discussing the facts and uh, you know the realities of energy in America in order to change the narrative. So it's an exclusive discussion with our energy industry's top leaders that will help educate and inform listeners on the things they only thought they knew. And so uh, over the last year, uh, many times, we spent a lot of time discussing how we see bad energy policies that often start in California and spread to other parts of the country. Last week, we spoke to Kathy Reheis Boyd of the Western States Petroleum Association. Uh, Today, we have the opportunity to hear from another West Coast oil and gas industry leader, Rock Zierman of the California Independent Petroleum Association, or CIPA. Now, why is it important for our energy leaders uh, to to hear from our energy leaders in California? Because a lot of these, like I said, a lot of these uh, policies start out in California, spread across the country, and it's absolutely vital that we understand what's going on in California, how they're uh, dealing with the same issues, so we can uh, accurately prepare ourselves when they get here. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Rock Zierman uh, into the program. Rock, how are you, sir?
4: Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me.
3: It's, it's my pleasure. Uh, thanks for doing the show. Uh, having said that, if you would, um, could you introduce yourself to our listeners and, and tell a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and your role as CEO of the California Independent Petroleum Association?
4: Sure. Uh, I've been with CIPA for 20 years now um, and was um, legislative staff in the Capitol prior to that. I'm a native Californian, born and raised here, and desperately trying to make this state work uh, so that I can continue to raise my children here. And uh, the, the uh, California Independent Petroleum Association represents about 300 companies. A hundred of those are oil and gas producers, and the others are the service and supply companies that service the, the, the producers. And, of course, an independent producer is those folks that just get oil and natural gas out of the ground. So we don't have refineries. You know, we don't have gas stations. We give it to the refineries. They make it into uh, gasoline, jet fuel, diesel chemicals, fertilizers, and over 6,000 other uh, products that we use every day.
3: And and having said that, if I'm not incorrect, you, your members produce about 70% of California's oil production and about 90% of its gas production. Is that correct?
4: It's actually the opposite. So we make about 30%, and 70% is imported from foreign countries. And then um, we only do about 10% of the natural gas, and 90% is imported through four. countries. Uh, pipelines for, for natural gas. And that makes California pretty unique. We don't have any interstate pipelines for oil. So the only two ways you can get oil uh, in California is you either make it here or you have to import it. And that's primarily from uh, tanker traffic from foreign countries.
3: And, and, and having said that, um, can you provide our listeners uh, with a brief history uh, on on uh, California as an oil and gas producer. So as I understand it, uh, it used to be one of the country's largest producers, but obviously that has been significantly cur- curtailed. If you walk us through the the history there uh, and and where it was and where it is today in terms of volume of crude, uh, and and uh, where it's going.
4: Yeah, I think some people forget um, that California was at at the forefront of oil production with well over a hundred years and at one time we were the number one producer of oil in the entire world and up until the late nineteen eighties we were making about a million barrels a day uh... of oil uh... and now uh... it's under four hundred thousand barrels of oil so we used to be number one up until just a few years ago we were number three behind um, uh... texas and north north dakota but we've steadily been declining in the past four years. Our production has gone down 20%. And it's not because of geology or um, no interest or no opportunities, as some people like to think. It's really a government-created shortage. Uh, We have right now over 1,400 permits sitting at our regulator's desk, uh, wanting to be approved so we can go out, hire people, and make our own energy, rather than depending on uh, imported crude from Ecuador and Saudi Arabia and Iraq. And unfortunately, um, there's just um, a a regulator in an atmosphere right now that does not want to. Um, encourage in-state production of California under the strictest environmental labor human rights rules in the world. Instead, we want to export that wealth uh, to you know countries that are ruled by dictators uh, and not provide those jobs, not provide the environmental benefit of all the rules and regulations that we have to follow that imports are completely exempt from. Yeah. And that makes California an outlier from the rest of the country, where you know, as you know, there's been an energy renaissance, and the United States is now the number one oil and gas producer. Uh, most of the imports uh, from foreign countries are actually coming into to California as the rest of the country is providing its own energy.
3: I mean, and, and how frustrating is that, in, in, in a sense? Um, you, you, you talk about the twilight zone, and I, I say that because when you, you listen to your talk, you talk about um, – you know, the high standards we have, okay, environmental standards that we have, okay, we're willing to shut ourselves down. And it's frustrating uh, at Rock that, you know, I'm a labor Democrat, okay? I used to be one of those guys that thought he knew about the environment uh, and and, and or really, you know, just like a, 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 a dinner table environmentalist. So, you know, of course I care about the environment. Of course I care about emissions. Of course I care about all those things. But I had no idea, okay, Uh, what was going on, that we're willing to shut ourselves down and import the same products that we're shutting down from people that do not have our environmental standards or safety standards overseas. And we're doing it in so many different ways. We talk about uh, you know the the anti energy policies that have caused a massive drop in California crude production. You, you, you mentioned uh, the permitting. Pro- you know, I think you mentioned permitting. Um, talk about the permitting process. Um, it's 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 extremely resource and time uh, intensive. Uh, talk about it because it sounds like it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Yeah. <clears throat> And,
4: you know, to your point, we consume 1.8 million barrels every day in the state of California of oil. And the, the only question is, where are you going to get it from? So there are a lot of folks that uh, want to curtail the consumption of oil, and that's fine, and that's a valid conversation. But so far, even though we sell half of all electric cars in America in California, even though we have, you know, 100 uh, percent renewable stent, portfolio standard for electricity, low carbon fuel standard. We have all these programs and yet we're consuming as much oil today as we ever have. And so, um, you know, when we're talking about transition, we should be talking about transitioning off of foreign oil and permitting our in-state producers. And there is a process. It's a very long process, but it's it's existed. And Right now, there's just not a will to get things across the finish line. Um, there are all sorts of <clears throat> different kinds of permits where um, uh, the governor has just said, I'm not going to permit them, uh, period. And we don't think that that's actually legal. And the end effect is just more imports from foreign countries that don't follow our rules and our regulations.
3: Yeah, I mean, as a layman, OK, and I think, uh, you know, one of our one of our goals is to just educate people on, you know, common sense and energy. Um, just thinking about that just steams me. And when, when you have a governor that plans to phase out oil production and yet still uh, import all of our needs. OK, in a, in a state the size of California. What is the narrative there? What the hell is he talking like? What are people buying here that is... Um, you know, so groundbreaking uh, that we're willing to shoot ourselves in the foot, completely phase out our oil production. I think he wants to phase it out by 2045. What is he feeding the people?
4: Yeah, you know, what's interesting, though, is the public gets it. Um, You know, we do a lot of research, focus groups, polling. Californians, by and large, would much rather produce the oil here under our strict rules and regulations than import it. And so a lot of the uh, policies we see coming out of Sacramento are not widely held and um uh th- that may surprise some people but we we've actually seen that uh when we get down to um uh, going to the public and asking them to um weigh in and um and we've done that in uh, in several counties we just did that in Ventura County of you, you know a a democrat leaning county um and they had an election and the people rejected uh the oil and gas ordinance that was adopted by the elected officials because it would shut down production and increase imports and so when you actually ask the california voter they do not align with some of the uh, elected officials that are here in sacramento and and they get it and uh they much rather employ californians than ship our wealth to foreign dictators. And if you look at the the profile of our workers, we have about 55,000 workers that work directly for our companies. And their average salary is $123,000. Wow. These are people that are primarily have no college education. Two-thirds don't have a college education. We have second-chancers who have criminal records. We have single moms. Um, and there are not other industries in California that offer that. The only other industries that offer that sort of opportunity for the American dream, you know, are high tech, require engineering degrees and the like. For for mainstream America uh, to have a, a solid middle class job where you can send your kids to college, you can buy a home, even in California. Uh, we're one of the few industries uh, that can do that. And the idea that you wouldn't want people to be employed in that industry uh, and instead we'd want to rely on foreign countries is just baffling.
3: And, how, and by the way, how, I mean, how is he getting away with it? I mean, look, we're, yeah, of course, we, we, you know, we have the Internet here in uh, Philadelphia, and we see what's going on. But typically speaking, when you have a general public that um, you know, understands what's going on, is against it. OK, uh, you know, typically your policymakers are, you know, you know, they they have an ear to the ground and, and they'll at least respect that issue. But this doesn't seem like it's going to slow down anytime soon. Uh, what's the solution in regards to, um, you know, fighting back here and, yeah. and, and having the people be heard because you're losing the tax base. You're losing jobs and not to mention, um, you know, the, the, the lack of common sense. And this isn't me jumping up and beating a, a drum, but the fact of the matter is, is that our environmental standards and our work standards and our workforce and our safety and all those things and efficiency are so much higher than the, those countries, those countries that, you're, that, that, that you mentioned. What's the step politically to, 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 to put us into this?
4: Well, I think there's a couple of things. One is we, we often have to go directly to the people. So I mentioned um, – you know, a, a referendum we had in the, the county of Ventura here in in, uh, in California uh, that we were successful. We just qualified a referendum on a bill that said um, you can't drill or even rework any wells that have any dwelling within a kilometer in any direction. Right, the setback. Uh, right. Yeah, and. Um, and so we qualified a referendum. We're going to take it to the people in November of 2024. They'll have an opportunity to weigh in. So that's one uh, avenue we can pursue is is take things directly to the people. And then the other one is, you know, increasingly we're having to go to the courts because obviously a lot of these things uh, that are done unilaterally, even outside of legislation, we think are are not aligned with the law and we've had some success there Um, recently we have a thing called cyclic steam uh... which uh... there was an arbitrary moratorium on and the court said that that moratorium and the regulations adopted about it uh... were not legal and so we're increasingly having to go to the courts and have them weigh in and say hey you know our regulators are are getting outside the box of their job and there's real ramifications for that so Those are the two things I see us increasingly having to do is go directly to the people and the courts.
3: And it's interesting because you bring up the setback rules, and we're starting to deal with that in Pennsylvania. And in a lot of ways, um, this is such an important uh, conversation, you know, the conversation uh, with yourself and Kathy Rehuis Boyd, because like I said at the beginning, the things that you guys are going through are are things we should be watching. Those setback rules, uh, Brendan Williams of uh, of PBF Energy, um, we, we you know so we have a, a a board of directors down here, Energy Education and Awareness Initiative, and um, Dave Callahan of Mar- Marcella Shell was talking about the on our board. It's it's with labor and energy leaders. He was talking about the setback rules, and uh, when we had our conversation, Brendan had talked about what you're going through in, in California in regards to those setback rules, and one of the things that we said is it's a backdoor way to shut our energy down uh to shut our uh a lot of our projects down here but a lot of people don't really know about how mu- how 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 much is, has has that um impacted when they started putting the, the the setback rules in in effect in California how much did that impact um the production there
4: well it could be huge it could be almost all of the LA basin production and maybe 20% of the production statewide luckily when you qualify a referendum uh, the law is stayed until the people get a chance to vote on it so that law will not be in effect um, while the voters are are considering it and let's be clear we have setbacks in in the state of California we have a 300-foot setback from dwelling currently but more importantly we have a thing called the California Environmental Quality Act which requires us to identify and mitigate for all emissions and environmental impacts. And this is a very onerous uh, process. We're going through it in Kern County. Our environmental impact report that CEQA requires is 37,000 pages long, full of studies, data, and we have to prove that there are no emissions and we've we 've mit, uh, mitigated for them all, and so this setback rule is very arbitrary, and it doesn't it 's not based on science; we have the science, and they have made up fake science,
3: yeah. and I
4: think when the people understand that and they, they contemplate it, um, I think a lot of the decision makers in Sacramento are going to be surprised at the public. Um,
3: Well, it it, it, what it what it demonstrates is they'll go to no lengths, really. And and I mean, you know, it's it's like death by a thousand cuts. Okay, something you'd probably wouldn't think of because you already have setback rules that that are working. Um, yeah. and, and so those are examples. Uh, we had a really strong conversation on that situation and, your situ- and, and and what's going on in California was a big deal. Let's, let, let's talk about hydraulic fracking. Talk to me about uh, that in, 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 in California. Is it a significant yeah. part of, of production and, 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 and why is uh, the state trying to stop it? So um,
4: it's far less significant than other states. Um, it's, you know, maybe 10 percent of our wells. That would be fracked in a normal year. Right now, there is a moratorium, uh, and you'll get a kick out of this. (laughs) They um, created a whole office uh, and hired 60 people just to do um, hydraulic fracturing permitting, Mm -hmm. and then they put a moratorium on it. Those 60 people are still there, still getting paid, and we're paying for them. We pay 100% of our regulators' fees. Uh, So there is a lawsuit on that. The governor. Uh, he admitted that he doesn't have the authority to arbitrarily do a moratorium on, on fracking, because we worked very hard with the previous governor, Jerry Brown, and the entire legislature to pass a comprehensive bill, SB 4, that regulates heavily all aspects of, of hydraulic fracturing. and um, But it gave a, a clear process that you go through in order to get a separate permit just for that um, process. And um, so when you do a moratorium, you completely ignore that, uh, and we think you're, you're doing it illegally. So it is impacting it. Uh, those are some of the most um, uh, vibrant wells um, that get, get drilled, but they are a smaller percentage than in, than in other states.
3: And, and the science, I mean, fracking is a, a clean and efficient way of producing natural gas, Okay, aren't they looking at that? I mean, what are their and don't get me wrong. We have the same problem here. Okay, Uh, Dave Callahan and Marcella Schell. um, And and you know what's going on there. But I mean, what 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 is the you know, what what are the grounds in, 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 in shutting it down? And you know, what are, what are the, the excuses and the reasons why um, they would want to – and I get it, it's only 10 percent, but um, what is their, their precedent uh, saying? Well, that's,
4: it's all, it's all uh, theoretical and, and, again, fake science because we've been doing it for decades, right? And there's been no uh, harm that's been identified. And then even under SB4, the new process, we've been doing it for almost a decade And, again, if there was harms, they would be identified, but there aren't. And so, you know, we're we're literally talking about uh, some guy that made a bad movie, you know, 15 years ago and scared Mm -hmm. everybody. And when you dive into the uh, particulars of the movie, you see a lot of it was bogus. But nonetheless, it did the damage. I will also say that um, it's well known that Russia... Uh, has been funding environmental sure. groups and efforts to have a disinformation campaign sure. on fracking and other practices in the united states um, and um, and th- that 's not a conspiracy theory that 's well documented and and even uh, Hillary Clinton talked about it when she was Secretary of state and so y- you know you have this disinformation. From people that don't want America to be strong and producing their own energy, sure, make, it makes it makes sense that they were, for them.
3: right. Well, we're susceptible. Obviously, there's a extreme left um, movement here, uh, and, and you know, so we're susceptible. Uh, you know, for that, if it, if if I was a Russian. Uh, you know, leader, I would do it, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's that's common true. sense. Listen, get rid of your competition. Uh, you know, these people here, you know, they, they, they all shut themselves down in, in the blink of an eye, that like you, you, you talk about a conspiracy theory. That's not even, that's, that, that is as realistic as the day is long. I'm, I'm sure all of our competitors are, are loving what we're, what we're doing with ourselves. We have about two minutes to the break. Um, wanted to touch ba- back on, on the jobs and the careers that you mentioned um you you mentioned what 55,000 uh jobs uh talk you know talk about the you know if you will go back and touch on that again the types of jobs we're talking about 100,000 125,000 dollar uh wages um you know benefits the whole deal
4: yeah you know we certainly have petroleum engineers and civil engineers and others with uh degrees but the vast majority of our jobs are, you know, on rigs, for instance, or in the field. And, you know, though they provide people, uh, even with uh, no high school diploma, the opportunity to go out there and prove themselves. And um, if you show up on time and work hard, you can be a rig hand that starts – out low, but you stick with it and you work your way up. There's four guys on a rig and you can work from the, the number one guy all the way to the foreman and by the time you're a foreman that's when you're getting the high salary and um, and you've done it without a college degree um, and you've done it by working hard and proving yourself and there just aren't other industries in California where that opportunity exists.
3: Yeah, no question about it. By the way, um, you know, the it's, we, you know, obviously, you know, we we our voices is, is, you know, we're going out to the general public, but also our labor community here. Now, those are good paying, uh, family sustaining jobs. Our labor community and our, our, our union community, same exact. Uh, you know, that's that's what we do also. And by the way, um, our apprenticeships, we pay for ourselves. So we're paying. Um, to educate people at, at and at the highest wages. So, um, yeah, you can see why people want to shut those jobs down in that tax base and, and create and send them overseas where they're paying slave labor. We'll get into that in just a minute. Let's throw it Rock to, over to Krause, and we'll have more from the uh, labor and energy show when we come back.
2: One segment to go on the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. Don't forget, coming up next month, we'll have another one of our Labor and Energy Roundtables. They're always uh, informative. We bring together, and J-Doc does a great job with this, we bring together the very best from the labor and from the energy industry, and we deliver their message to you in a roundtable format. More details uh, to come on this edition, or on uh, upcoming editions of the Labor and Energy show back in a moment.
0: This is a labor and energy action alert.
2: Did you know the Pennsylvania Water Resource Act, if passed, will charge Pennsylvania businesses for water usage integral to the operation of the businesses, many of which that provide PA residents with vital services. The expenses of charging for such water usage will be astronomical and may jeopardize the operations of the businesses themselves as well as jobs. Take action now. Subscribe to www.gov.net To track this legislation and call your PA state representatives and voice your opinion to oppose the Pennsylvania Water Resource Act, quality PA businesses and good paying jobs depend on it.
1: What's a Boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the international brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com.
0: First charted in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager.
5: PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit FuelingUSJobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today.
0: This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Portions of tonight's labor and energy special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers.
3: Before I start the uh, the second segment, I want to make an announcement. Um, It's my pleasure to announce our upcoming Energy Education and Awareness Zoom Summit which will be hosted by our Energy Education uh, Council Board of Directors and will bring together uh, labor and energy leaders from across the nation as part of a major Zoom conference on educating the public as well as our legislators on the importance and the needs and the facts about our traditional energy industries and resources in meeting America's energy needs. It certainly is time to change the narrative. So um, we're real excited about that. We'll keep everybody posted uh, and lots going on there. What we're doing here, Rock, is as I bring uh, Rock Zierman uh, back in, in into the program, and by the way, for our listeners, Rock is the chief executive officer, California Independent Petroleum Association, (CIPA). Um, and, and, you know, what we want to do and, and our whole important part of our, 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 our initiative here is to educate the public on common sense and energy. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the how we got into it down here in, in Philly. And how we uh, launched our broadcast, which airs weekly from uh, South Jersey to Washington, D.C. and beyond. Um, We have the PES refinery here in South Philadelphia several years back. And we've done the labor show here for nine years. Uh, And uh, we had a lot of our labor leaders coming in and talking about a refinery uh, that had 33 units. One, uh, there was a fire in one. And as, as tragic as that always is, um, there were still 32 uh, units operating. And yet the refinery shut it down. And so w- when we came in with our labor show and, you know, we were on uh, major radio here in the, in the city, we always typically have success in rallying the troops. And um, we, we utilize a, a positive impact. But the fact of the matter is, is that we were, you know, kind of uh, – sending out action alerts to our political leaders and sitting there going, by the way, you know, we got a travesty here. This is ridiculous. There were no injuries, thankfully, in that process. The people who worked at the refineries, good union jobs, thousands and thousands of jobs, resources that now we have to import from overseas um, getting shut down. And yet we couldn't get any cooperation or even, I don't think, I think it was crickets, Rock. Um yeah. You know, we, we and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And here was the answer that that got thrown back in our face: that the environmental left. and look, I'm a dem man. I'm a dem, and and and, and uh, have always supported our, 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 and I thought our environmental issues and all those things. But didn't understand what the hell was going on. And the the answer was: uh, political leaders are, uh, you know shy, they shy away from these issues because the environmental left is speaking louder than us. It was at that point that we thought we knew it was time uh, to change the narrative. So um, that's our goal here. That's why we got into it. And one of the things, and maybe You can comment on this uh, because we're going to get into uh, a a part of how many people do you know? Because everybody knows fuel comes from oil, but not everybody is aware. And I think you touched on it at the beginning of the broadcast that over 5000 products come from petrochemicals. Okay, we're willing to shut our energy industry. We'd all be sitting here naked. But let's let's be honest. You know, we're, we're also talking about. Uh, EVs and windmills. You cannot operate them within our traditional energy resources. How many people don't know this?
4: Yeah, no, that's huge. I mean, you just, you walk into a hospital, into an operating room, and you look around, and anything you touch is petroleum-based. You know, we went through a pandemic. You you know, the masks are made from uh, petroleum, rubber Mm -hmm. gloves, uh, medicines, uh, you know we grow food with fertilizer that's uh, petroleum based and um just so many products you take a uh, um y- you take a prius or um, a tesla and they got rubber tires and they're driving they're dry- you know driving on asphalt and they've got uh, plastic interiors and um transformer oils that making the grid the electric grid run so just Product after product after product, and you could actually ground every plane in America, have 100% electric cars and trucks, and you would still need every drop of oil that we produce in California just for the products in California, and uh, which is you know roughly uh, 20% of what we consume, and that gets lost. So when people, you know, we people lose sight of what is the alternative, right? So you were talking about the refinery uh, closing down, and it's like, what's the alternative? The alternative is shipping it in from foreign countries on boats, and that has ramifications, right? We have a terribly backed-up, congested port here in Los Angeles, and that's offshore oil. We've got these super tankers with a million barrels, uh, barely um, missing each other as as the traffic is piling up because we've decided not to produce it here tinkered it in from Ecuador and and Saudi Arabia and other places, and so what gets lost is what is the alternative? And when you put it in that terms, and people figure out the alternative to California produced crude, paying our our people uh, high wages, uh, following our environmental laws, is to tear down the Ecuadorian rainforest in the Amazon, clear cut it, displace indigenous people kill um, uh, species that are endangered, and half that crude comes to California. That's the alternative. Our alternative is not an electric car. The alternative to California oil is imported foreign oil. And I think that's where the narrative needs to go, and it has. And I think when we put it in those terms, suddenly legislators of all persuasions have to come to terms with the fact that they're policies have ramifications. And the ramification isn't, like, do I drive a Tesla or a gas car? The ramification is, do I get it from California under our strict rules and regulations, keeping our wealth here? Or do I empower countries like Ecuador, Saudi Arabia, and Iraq to not follow any of those things and tinker it in here into our crowded ports?
3: Well, it's interesting. You know, you, you say that. And what I find also is that the fact is, is that it doesn't take much education or information to really get pe- to, to actually change the narrative for somebody who's a common sense person, the, gen- the member of the general public. Because this message that we're talking about right now, you don't hear it in the, in, in the mainstream media. OK, it doesn't take a rocket science uh, a scientist to, to understand um, these things. But there is another uh, kind of like. Um, side to it and and uh you talking to brendan williams and and um brendan he says to me he was talking to, to, to john boehner one time and and he said you know the problem with you guys uh you you energy people is the fact that pelosi brings in her save you know her environmental leftists and 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 they sit there and say save the whales and everybody jumps up and down but you need us and you need to you know know seven languages to understand what's going on in in, in uh in energy and yeah. so it can be very complicated. Uh, you talk about uh, a, a lot of the issues. I think if P, you know people hear it from a, a less rat. You know, uh, we don't even talk. We I, I won't even have a political leader on this show that gets on and sits there and says the environment uh, issues are, are bull crap. I won't do that because it automatically shuts a, a, a lot of people down. Now, the environmental left, the, the far extreme left, that you're never going to get them, okay? Um, something's going on there because common sense isn't a part of that conversation, but regular people and changing the narrative doesn't take much. It just takes the ability for them to understand the basic concepts like you're talking about right now, and just to get them the message. Um, when you talk about um, the, the topics that you're talking about in regards to uh, you know tearing down the rainforest and all those things, well, we had Sid Kara on the on the program, and, and, and I don't know if you saw the Joe Rogan show, um, where um, he actually went over to the Congo... Uh, had a, a cell phone and videoed what was going on yep. uh, in the in the uh, with with the uh, the slave labor and the underage labor going on there uh, with their, their, their mining for the critical minerals. Did, did you get a chance to see that? Not
4: the Joe Rogan one, but I'll I'll, I'll look it up. I, but I have seen it on NBC News and the, right in, in the New York Times. Yeah.
3: Well, it, it's absolutely devastating. So I was having a conversation with We We had him on the show not long ago. And you sit there and you talk, uh, you, you talk about the, the magnitude of slavery and, 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 and what it's done to devastation to this country. But many people, you know, if you don't see, in other words, uh, how can we patronize, uh, you know, th- th- these companies um, for making money off the backs of young children, slave labor, all those things? Well, I ask that question. And his answer was, well, it's funny you mentioned that. The companies that are actually employing the the, the, the children and, and, you know, if you would call it employing and, and, and controlling the slave labor, they don't sell the products. They sell it to a middleman. OK. And the middleman sells it to our countries, our, our companies over here. So, there's you know, you talk about electric vehicles and, and needing the critical minerals, to you know, for the batteries and all those things. Uh, I guess it's okay as long as we we don't really we put our head under the under the pillow and pretend like the bad man's not there and um you know and and and, and the whole time we're contributing to those situations going on overseas um the only way uh, that, that, we're, that our people are going to understand is to actually see it and to understand and, 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 to get the, and to get the word out. Do you think people don't want to understand it? They don't want do to? Because you look at all the products that, that, that those critical minerals, you know, our cell phones, our computers, all those. Situations. You look at Apple and, and, and the, um, what the, uh, the, the, the suicide nets they have over in the factories. There's so much going on over there that we turn a blind eye to. And I'm not like a radical dude. Okay, I'm just talking about common sense. How can we let that happen over there and turn a a blind eye, Rock?
4: Yeah, well, let me give you some good news. Um, I think this is uh, catching on, and I think people are understanding this. In California, a bill was just introduced uh, by a senator, Stephen Bradford, Democrat, African-American from Los Angeles, longtime legislator. And it wants to make illegal the importation of cobalt, lithium, and other rare earth minerals that are used to you know, create cell phones and batteries and everything if it comes from areas that's known for child labor, uh, child slave labor. And secondly, uh, another Democrat, uh, this one from uh, the Central Valley, uh, Dr. Jasmine Baines, um, newly elected uh, from, from Kern County, Introduced a bill that said 50% of the oil that's produced in California, that's consumed in California, should come from California by 2035. So here are two Democrats in California, and I think uh, Senator Bradford uh, would describe himself as progressive. Um, uh, Dr. Baines is a physician and cares about health, and yet both of them recognize that um, there are consequences to policy. And if we just pretend like we can make everything electric and and batteries and not have any consequences to people around the earth, um, that they're deluding themselves. And so there's just two examples where um, this past month, legislators in uh, progressive California have introduced bills to try to tackle this very problem.
3: It's interesting because we've had Pete Stauber on uh, from from Minnesota, uh, and he's, Put uh, legislation on, uh, you know, trying to fight the same thing on a national level, and got now he's a Republican, and let me just point out that in labor, we're not a you know, we're not a, uh, a political party. Uh, we can't do it all, uh, you know, Democrats with just Democrats on on one side of the aisle, or obviously we're Republicans. So. Um, you know, we, you know, it's not a surprise that, you know, that we are looking for, you know, the truth in every way, no matter what aisle it comes in, down. And the fact of the matter is, is that he actually, he, he put together some legislation in, in, to the same effect and it got shot down. And so he's still trying to do it. They're trying to do it on a national level. But that is fantastic to hear um, that that's going on in California. Um, And this is why it's so important for us to understand what's going on there. Um, Having said that, let's talk about safety standards. Okay. Let's, uh, you know, when when they shut the PES – uh, refinery down here. You had environmentalists coming from all over the state and out of state not in in the neighborhood. These are inner city neighborhoods. These families worked at this refinery, uh, a lot of them for the you know for generations. They care about the neighborhood. They care about safety in the plant. They care about safety uh, outside the plant, in, including environmental issues. They had none, zero, and yet they still. The narrative was the safety part. Talk about how important safety is to your members
4: yeah and in fact if you look at the oil and gas industry's safety record uh, which is all you know kept by the labor Department ours is extremely low and uh, we rank at the top when it comes to um, the safety of our employees certainly uh, any industry will uh, uh, face accidents from time and again and sure you know when when, when Tesla's cause accidents or blow up, um, as they've done, we don't say, oh, let's ban electric cars, right? We say, right. let's solve that problem. What, what, what happened? Let's figure it out, and let's prevent it from happening again. And uh, I think all industries are, are in that same boat, where they want a very good uh, track record, um, and nothing in life is risk-free. But uh, when you look at the stats, um, our industry does very, very well.
3: Absolutely. And and like I said, thankfully, there was there was, uh, you know, there was no uh, injuries here in, in, in Philly when that happened. And so uh, clearly um, that's just a part of the narrative and, and our safety standards and, and on the jobs. Um, you know, especially I was a steward when I was an, an iron worker 20 years ago at Sun Oil down here in Philly. And we, we had a safety meeting literally every day inside. So it's so important. And the surrounding uh, areas, like I said, they're part of the communities that, that, that support the refineries, not to mention the businesses that also benefit from it. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, when you talk about Teslas and and you talk a lot of you know when you talk about um, what's going coming out of California, the legislatures. You talk about the um, the EV mandates, and when California uh, creates mandates, I believe there's 12 other states around the country, including I believe New Jersey and I think Delaware, that automatically jump on board. Okay, so they're they're creating mandates uh, now that I think by 2035. Um, you know, they they, want to shut down the internal combustion engine uh, and being able to sell it in California and uh, around the country, uh, those who follow California's lead. So Delaware and New Jersey, I believe, and and, uh, 11 other states. Um, Talk about that because it does such devastation to our our refineries. People don't want to invest in them. And the fact that, like you just said, none of us are jumping up and down saying, let's not build the EVs. Uh, let them come into the, uh, you know, these, a lot of these are luxury cars. Let them come into the market like, you know, like everything else. Okay? Um, talk about these, these mandates and how they impact uh, your members and, and, and uh, a lot of the other uh, traditional energy resources across the country. I do think we get
4: sidetracked sometimes with picking winners and losers and lose sight of what's the goal. And, you know, the goal was to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Right. So that was the goal. Um, And obviously, some people think that one way you do that is replace combustible engines with electric cars. Now you still got to generate electricity. And that's primarily fossil fuels today. It's complicated. But um, getting back to what should the goal be? And the goal should be to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And, you know, in California, we have the low carbon fuel standard where we're lowering the carbon intensity of fuels, we have the opportunity to do carbon capture and sequestration where we could actually have negative carbon crude in the state of California. And so and and a lot of environmentalists cringe at that because their real goal isn't about reducing emissions. Their real goal is to shutting the oil and gas industry down. And I think it has its roots in politics as much as, you know, environmental concern. And and I think that's short sighted. So Uh, absolutely. You know, you can incentivize electric cars. Um, you know, you, you, you want to give rebates, you want to charging stations, uh, do all those things to help them compete, which they need at this, this juncture. Um, but there's a lot of innovation going on in the fuel space as well. Uh, and we shouldn't shut that down. You know, there, most of the fleets of municipal buses, is renewable natural gas, which, if you have a combustible engine shut down, will shut down that as well, because it is a combustible engine, but it runs on methane that's captured from landfills and water treatment facilities and other places. And so, here's an innovation where we're capturing methane that would otherwise go into the atmosphere, and of course, methane is one of the most potent greenhouse gases there are and we're utilizing it for a beneficial use. And then people kind of come in and arbitrarily say, no, we're just going to shut that down because they want to pick winners and losers. Instead, we should say, what's the goal? And the goal should be reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And if somebody comes and says, look, the way I'm going to reduce greenhouse gas emissions is I'm going to capture carbon that would otherwise go into the atmosphere, and I'm going to sequester it forever back where it came from underground, that's a solution to... Increased greenhouse gas emissions that should be um, embraced. And uh, instead, people are really focused on some of these arbitrary goals like, you know, banding ice engines by 2035.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, you talk, you mentioned car, carbon capture and, and different technologies. I, don't you think that the answers are within the industry and that we should all be one of our, our labor leaders down here talk? His name's John Bland. He was talking. You know, we talked years ago when we were dealing with the PES situation and, and uh, it was the tip of the iceberg for us. And he was sitting there going, uh, politically speaking, and we only have three minutes left, Rock, um, but you know when did we when did it become us against them when did we stop working together okay to create solutions the energy traditional energy uh, industry is such a vast industry uh, you know the solutions that you know. In my opinion, and and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Um, con- you know, we should be looking within and working together with our political leaders um, to create these solutions.
4: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's 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 uh, baffling to me. Um, I you know I think I mentioned our prior governor was Jerry Brown, and he was his second stint as governor, his first one, um, you know, he he got tagged Moonbeam Brown and all this stuff. And so when he came back the second time, we thought, what are we going to get? Well, what we got was a very mature, seasoned Democrat uh, who we could talk to. And we solved problems. We passed the fracking bill that that you know, put a lot of rules and regulations on us that was very difficult for us to um, and expensive to comply with. But we knew that we had to do that in order to operate. And I just think that there's not enough political will to, to, to sit down with um, divergent views and hammer out um, solutions to these problems. So let's get smart people in, in there in a room and work it out. They, they are willing to do that. But if all we're, we want to do is create villains and enemies, uh, I just think it's, it's bad for the future of the country.
3: Absolutely. No question about it. And we're paying the price already. No question about that. Rock, listen, um, we want to thank you so much. Uh, for being our guest here on the labor and energy show uh, so much to talk about. would love to have you to be a part of our, uh, our upcoming energy education and awareness conference um, where we're bringing uh, top leaders in from labor and energy uh, to, 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 to talk about, uh, you know, the uh, obviously changing the narrative. You, you know, I love your, your idea of, of, of dealing with it on a, a political, uh, you know, in a political manner, you know, going to the public and, and obviously dealing with it uh, legislatively um, uh and, and and in the courts because um you know there has to be solutions so we'd love to invite you to be a part of that and and uh appreciate your time uh, rock zierman ladies and gentlemen uh who was the chief executive officer of cipa california independent petroleum association thanks so much rock hey thank you appreciate it our pleasure uh joe uh, awesome broadcast uh back to you my friend That's going to do it for this edition
2: of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. We thank PBF Energy. We thank all of our partners. And we thank our special guest today on behalf of my co-host, J-Doc. I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody.
0: Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896 that's right 1896 and specializes in welding piping, mechanical, structural constructability reviews, project management and rigging design services for a free consultation call Neuter at 314-421-7600 Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing power generation and alternative energy get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600 the
1: Eastern Atlantic state's regional council of carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure the safest best trained and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job whether it's energy from nuclear wind coal natural gas or offshore wind the eas carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on if you're interested in a job in construction visit eascarpenters.org or follow us on
5: social at eas carpenters pbf energy Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobscom take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today.
0: Thanks for listening to tonight's labor and energy special. You can help. Call your congressperson and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.